What's going on, everyone? Hello. Welcome to Playback Appeal. We are the Rap Geeks. My name is Sean. And it's Lizzie today. And today we're discussing Big L's final studio album, second studio album released July 11, 2000, approximately 20 years from today. And it's right. called The Big Picture. And uh, now, posthumous, huh? Is that how you pronounce yep. that? Posthumously, posthumously album. Speaking of posthumous, I'm gonna say posthumous. That sounds a little cooler. (laughs) But uh, I thought it was very fitting for us to discuss this album, The Big Picture by Big L. Um, As some of you may know, who Big L is, Big L was a rapper from Harlem, New York. Always repped where he's from, 139 in Lenox, and uh, he was very well known for his freestyle ability very popular among the underground hip-hop community. He only released one album in 1995 called Lifestyles of the Poor and Dangerous. And uh, unfortunately, on February 15, 1999, Lamont Coleman, or Big L, was shot nine times uh, in East Harlem, New York, in his hometown, right outside the same area that he was rapping for for a very long time. And it's, uh, and it's very tragic. And so I think it was very fitting to talk about this because another New York rapper recently suffered a very similar fate, recently had his debut album released posthumously, and that is none other than Pop Smoke. So in many ways, we can even make the reference that Big L was the Pop Smoke of his generation in terms of a big New York rapper coming on the scene and unfortunately passing away after very little music available to listen to on his catalog. But today we're we're reviewing the album that came out after uh, he passed away about, you know, over a year later. And um, we're giving it a listen. Now, to give you guys a real honest opinion, I never wanted to listen to this. Um, Mainly because... Yep, because the first album, Lifestyles of the Poor and Dangerous, that was released five years prior to this, is to date one of my favorite hip-hop albums and an album that really introduced me to, I would say, more hardcore hip-hop and especially New York hardcore hip-hop in the 90s. And and I agree with a lot of rappers uh, like mac miller like logic um that go back and say that big l is is arguably the goat of hip-hop and i'm not saying that he is the goat but in terms of his freestyle ability and in terms of um what he brought to the table and exceptional skill and craftsmanship um you know he was the predecessor to an eminem he was the predecessor to a jay-z and who would have known how big and successful he would have been if he had still had the opportunity to release more than one album. So the big picture, the second and final studio album of Big L, was a very incomplete album. And it was pretty much taken by Flamboyant Records. And uh, I believe it was Rich King, who was his manager at the time, just trying to get as many features in as possible and produce this as quickly as possible with whatever was left in Big L's uh, cat- in his catalog. 
So, um, but regardless, it's been certified gold by the RIAA, which meant that it still was able to sell. And um, and we're gonna dive in today about our personal thoughts on this record. So, um, I guess my first question to you, uh, Lizzie, is: Have you even heard De- uh, Big L's uh, first album, his first and only album that was released during his lifetime? I think when you first um told me what your thoughts were on Big L we had a conversation probably back in 2018 man i would think it might have been 2018 and we ended up talking about Big L for whatever reason and that what that must have been the first time i ever really dove into the catalog and and i usually start from the bottom up and so i know that i listened to it then um and i and at that point i was fully convinced that Big L was one of my favorite like when I say one of my favorite rappers, I'm really meaning like rapping, rapping, a like, rapper's rapper. Yeah. Like, cause I, cause my introduction to rap was battle rap and this cat mean, um, I, I <laughs> listen to his, uh, you know, his, his, uh, freestyle with Jay-Z that we had listened to before the pod. Right. Um, what, what show is that stretch and Bobito? Um, I listen to that freestyle over and over again and many of his other live raps and and he's just my favorite rapper. And I feel like he's everybody's favorite rapper, favorite rapper. One of those kind of cats. Obviously, mm-hmm. like I would even think even if he was still alive would be still underground, but all of the biggest pop stars, he would he would be their their favorite, like as far as a rap career goes. Um and so far as the first album goes i know i heard it but i haven't gone back to it ever since yeah mm-hmm. um i i do remember liking it more than this one though to be honest right and and that's why uh i've always heard bits and pieces of this album the big picture but i never wanted to sit through the whole thing and and it's because of what what kind of happened to me as i've gone through this album and re-listened to it because i've listened to lifestyles of the poor and dangerous way too many times like i i i know those bars i know those lines by heart and um and what i was always afraid of coming into this album was that it wouldn't match the expectations of his first album and 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 that was a weird thing because i know for a fact that people like this album but but it's 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 hard man because because it's so incomplete this one i'm not saying it's if it is incomplete, I'm, it's not just it felt incomplete. Just you can tell this is a compilation. This is a compilation of different tracks, maybe some B sides, some freestyles, and you can even tell that the recording quality of these songs varies. So sometimes you 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 hear Big Gal and it's and it sounds like he's literally rapping over like a boom mic, yeah. and then in other times he's rapping in a professional studio. And with these features, um, you know. They they threw in Tupac. They threw in Cool G Rap. They threw in Big Daddy Kane, Guru, Remy Ma, Fat Joe. They yeah. did throw in some interesting people. Um, and they also had a, a, a good amount of good producers as well, like Lord Finesse, DJ Premier, yeah. Pete Rock. Can we talk um, about the Tupac feature, though? Pete. Yeah, so it's a weird one, man, because um, it is... It is the name that stands out the most when you look at the features because it's just like, what the hell, Tupac? So it is a weird thing where they put two 
dead rappers on a track together. Yeah. You know, one of West Coast most prominent dead rappers and East Coast most prominent dead rappers, and just trying to just try to make it fit together over a New York style production. And um, and you know what? It's a good track. It's definitely a good track, but I don't think it really showcased either of them in their prime. Yeah, with with anything that's posthumous, right? Like it's for me. I try to check for what parts of this work was planned by the original artist, and which was who, and what parts were decided by somebody else. Um, and in this, in some of these features, I can't tell how many of them were premeditated or if it happened just to get a record finished. You know, and and you needed some artists to just fill in the. You need another verse because back then you needed at least maybe three verses. And so, okay, we need to throw some other verses in here. We don't have any more from L, so let's, you know, I mean, let's let's throw somebody else on here. That's the kind of stuff that I think about coming into the album. I I did feel a lot of it. Um, a handful of at least my favorite joints did feel like they happened um after his death. Um, which is fine. I mean, I like the Fat Joe joint, um, as well. Um, in addition to the Tupac joint, but what one thing that was weird about the Tupac joint was it just it didn't it felt like it happened after the fact like they like you kind of said they they kind of just put two voices together the idea of it is great but for some reason I feel like the execution just it didn't hit. Yeah, I can understand where you're coming from, and and as far as like the the selection of who they chose to be on this record, right? We know that. Big L was part of the Digging in the Crates crew, D-I-T-C. And Fat Joe began his career right there in D-I-T-C. And so D-I-T-C was made up of guys like O.C., Lord Finesse, Big L, Fat Joe. So so it worked out to have Fat Joe. But if you look at the features on the first album, you know, it was guys like Kid Capri. It was guys like Jay-Z. And so it had a little bit more of that New York raunchiness to it, that '90s raunchiness. And and you know what? I my, one of my favorite features on the album was Guru. And as you know, um, Gangstar, one of their most famous songs, starts off with "Rest in Peace, Big L." So I thought that was very very fitting to have Guru on the album. But uh, but it is kind of weird. To put in Big Daddy Kane and, and put in Cool G Rap and, and put in Tupac, out of all people, into yeah. the album. I'm not hating on it, but I'm just saying for the big difference between that first album and this second album is really the coherence. Because in the first album, there's a theme. And the theme is, this is Harlem. This is, this is killing. This is drug deals. And it was a dark album. Very, very dark album where Big L is trying to process his thoughts of growing up and maybe even in some ways is similar to Biggie Smalls in that he's contemplating suicide, that he's thinking about how his life is going to end and how he's willing to kill people in order to survive in these streets. Whereas the big picture was was maybe the the they were trying to make Big L more of a Jay-Z and Jay-Z was his protege and, you know, as you might know, the first track Jay-Z ever rapped on was a Big L track. So um, in that regards, I think they were trying to push this album to a more mainstream narrative and be able to sell more copies. But at the end of the day, it didn't achieve 
really what Big L was all about, which is this very grimy, gritty, guttery New York 90s Harlem hard as fuck hardcore type of hip hop. And uh, and I think I'm not going to say it's a bust, but it didn't reach expectations. I feel you on that 100 percent. But that's that is the challenge of a posthumous album is trying to match the taste level of the original artist. Like one, you can never guess what direction they might have t- they might have wanted to attempt to take themselves in their career. Um, maybe they maybe they wanted to make the same music that they started uh, that got them famous or they might have wanted to try something different, you know. Um, and with this one. <laughs> Man, I yeah, I really think it, it was a lot of corporate decisions. Might it might might have been more corporate decisions than from the actual talent. You know, do, do you do you get that feeling at all from it? Um, because in the beginning, in the first song, you know, yeah, I don't know yeah. if it was if they threw real shade at LL Cool J. I mean, right. I I get if you listen to the intro, you know, they tell everybody throw their L's up, and then you know the MC is is talking about how no, not you know, not for lazy, not for LL Cool J, none of that stuff, you know what I mean? And I don't know if that was actual shade because Big L is an underground artist, whereas LL is the exact opposite of that, right? Big old a uh, rap pop star, um, and so if if the decisions were made from corporate, it would tend to lean more pop. And that's what, and that's what I feel like from this album, as far as the choices of the songs and the uh, features, maybe that's kind of what I yeah. get from it. Yeah. And I understand where you're coming from. I think at the time, uh, you know, first of all, talking about LL Cool J specifically, like we all know LL Cool J's debut album radio in 1985 is still, it is it is like one of the most influential pieces of, of music ever recorded in terms of its prominence and, and what it brought to hip hop. The first really major hip hop release ever with like ghetto blasters. And um, so I think that New York rappers, when they talk about LL, they understand that. But I do think at that time with LL Cool J, you know, I don't think it was a direct jab at LL. I, I don't even think LL Cool J even knew who Big L was. It was more of a... And and although you say Big L is an underground rapper, I don't think that's the appropriate way to put it because mm-hmm. I think he was in the same limelight as a Nas. I think he was in the same sure. limelight as a Wu-Tang Clan. Agreed. I think he was the same right. limelight as, as just whatever was coming out those of New are York counter, at the time. Th- those are counterculture groups right Nas being the counter of thought I guess you could say right um mm-hmm. Wu-Tang obviously you know just <laughs> wow you know do cats. you call do you call Gangstar underground you know that that would really be the question here yeah and 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 my I think my answer to that is is highly subjective on the on just my generation of music um I okay. think you could look at a Gangstar style breeding what is currently the underground scene you know what i mean that's kind of that's and so that but i think at the time it i think it was just straight up hip-hop it wasn't there wasn't a real differentiation between underground and and you know regular right or maybe yeah because i mean yeah people like ll and big l existed at the same time right so right there was there was a counter scene and the mainstream scene still and also do you consider reasonable doubt which was jay-z's first album which if you 
if you listen to Big L and you listen to Jay Z, his first album, it was it's immediately noticeable off the bat that Jay Z was highly influenced by Big L. Just the way that he delivered the delivered the flow and was able to you know I'm not gonna try rapping it but but it but it but it like he I'm would go you. into he would go into triplet flows you know what I mean Big L would go into triplet flows and so did Jay and it was and it was to and it was to it was to increase the speed at the rate of their delivery of rhymes. And then another thing is Big L is a punchline artist, bro. Like he's able to deliver a punchline harder than most rappers are able to. And his freestyle ability in terms of what he's able to get out is better than most rappers' penmanship. Absolutely, absolutely, man. I look forward to the punchline every single time. When you grow up battle rapping, you pretty much try to guess the the, the person's next line or what he's going to rhyme with. And that's just, that's probably one of the most engaging things about hip hop. And that's what I get out of listening to Big L. I'm, I'm really listening to what he might say next or where he's taking this part of the verse uh, lyrically. And I, I love listening to him uh, because of that. Mm. Where do you think um, he stands? Because I, I've tried to process this as a hip hop fan, as always like, well, he's not ever going to get recognition with the likes of Biggie, Pac, uh, Nas, you know, maybe even ODB. And uh, I, I'm trying to understand where does he like if you if where is he on Mount Rushmore's man? Because for me. As a pure rapper, as a pure rapper, he's maybe the greatest. But I'm not saying musically he's the greatest. I'm not saying lyrically he's the greatest. But I'm saying, what does it mean to be a rapper? I think to me it means to be a poet and a storyteller. And and no one to me has done a better job of conveying of chill, like spine chilling ability to be able to to show stories. And, and I'll give you an example. Like on the song uh, that he did on this whole record, which was called... Um, I got to pull up the track list. The Heist. It was called... No, not The Heist. Oh, okay. It was Casualties of a Dice Game. Mm. And if you listen to Casualties of a Dice Game, he's literally talking about how he played a dice game and then he lost, so he shot the other guy, took the 50 grand... But then he was getting shot at by police, and then he ran through the corner, and um, and so he didn't know what to do with his money because he was going to get caught. So he threw it in the air, had all the kids grab the money, and then he bled to death. It's like that ability to show imagery is something that is uh, to be able to tell a story from 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 beginning to end is something that is. Um, that is really criminally underrated in modern hip hop to be able to use a three minute song to to tell a story, and um, Big L is one of the best of them. I also think of Cannabis as another one that's able to just be a straight up storyteller. So when I ask you, like, where do you think Big L ranks in terms of the greatest goats of hip hop? Like, um, is it is it fair to say that he might be the greatest in terms of just pure pure rapping ability? Hip hop as a as an idea is multidimensional. Um, currently, there is it is a lucrative business now. 
Right. And some rappers, and, and so as these expertise within this thing of hip hop starts to expand, sometimes now we have to judge people on multiple dimensions. Their business at you know acumen, lyrical flow, right? Uh, A and Ring, right? A lot of rappers are good A and Rs. I think Currency is a great A and R, um, but not as good as a rapper, right? Wonderful beat choices and and um, collaborations with producers and other um, artists. And so people like, I guess you could say somebody like Drake is, is really good at that. Uh, they're good at catching um, the waves. It's like pretty much as soon as they start to bubble, hopping on that and, and, and hopping out, you know. And I, and I guess you can call that great marketing. You know, there's a marketing aspect to it as well. Now, um, at least if we're judging Big L as a rapper in the 90s, all you had to worry about was your personality, um, lyrical content um staying alive <laughs> that part you know what i mean so it's like it <laughs> and and that was a challenge as well obviously right yeah um and if we're judging him on the 90s standard of what it actually is required of a rapper he is he he has a dollar you know what i mean yeah he has his own dollar um not just you know on the mount rushmore he is a fabric you know, of the of the lifestyle of a rapper and qualities. Um, so, yeah. But today, I mean, it's not enough to be just that. Apparently. Right. It's apparently not enough because what did, you know, what did Kendrick say, right? Killer Mike yeah. would be platinum. Uh, right. And so it, it takes so much more. Um, but maybe that's just because of how hip hop is today. Um, as it being pop. So as when anything goes up into the mainstream it's more about pleasures right it, it's more about happy happy feelings hold up <laughs> excuse moi um but yeah back then when you when you did hip hop like this you had to say you had to really be about the words you were saying and people cared about that probably that might have been number 1 yeah i agree with you on that and and i think at the time um there wasn't so much emphasis on the producer back then. I mean, he got as as good as you can get. Like he got Pete Rock, he got DJ Premier. Um, but now there's so much more emphasis on the producer uh, than there was at that time. That you know, production value has increased tremendously, which makes music more listenable, especially in hip hop. Whereas back then, it was totally okay to literally loop a twenty second bar. <laughs> over and over and over again. Yeah. And that the works whole entire track. That works sometimes. That works sometimes. You know, I think of feeling it, you could loop that over and over again. I, you know, I mean I can mess with it. That uh that freestyle on uh with Big L and Jay Z, that you could loop that over and over again. Uh but it's people like Big L that can rock just that because of the words is is the only is they're just too good. They're nice with the words, man. Um, and the punchlines. Yeah, agreed with that one. So, uh, you, since you introduced me to Big L, like on a, in a real way, like we all knew about Big L because I grew up playing Tony Hawk, and so we know who Gangstar is. Yeah. Um, and obviously, the intro to the song "Big L, Rest in Peace," right? Um, and so we always hear about Big L, but it 
I literally was 20 something, right? When I first listened to Big L. Um, but you said that was one of your first introductions to what did you call it? Kind of hip hop? Like, un, uh, did you call it underground or dangerous? No, I, or... I call it like hardcore. Hardcore hip hop, right? Hardcore, because hardcore to me is uh, like when people say what is hardcore hip hop, right? Because, uh, you know, it, it is up for debate. But to me, hardcore hip hop is violent hip hop. Right, right, and and I think Big L's lyrics prove that he's uh, and he, he's rapping about some shit. And when was that in the time frame? Like, when did you listen to that before you heard a tribe, or did you hear a tribe first and then fa- ran into Big L? Yeah, I would say I heard Tribe first because okay. Tribe was one of my first, like to me, my first introductions to hip hop. Very first ones are Public Enemy and and Run DMC because I I was really into rock music. I wasn't so into hip hop. Then it went to a tribe called Quest, and it went to um, probably Kanye West, uh, you know, his first three albums, I would say, or first two, really. Um, and then from there, it kind of spanned into Wu-Tang Clan and Big L, uh, and specifically just like 90s New York hip-hop was what I was into, because keep in mind, this was like the late 2000s, so... At that time, it was all about T-Pain and Flowrider. <laughs> so, like, I was not messing with, like, whatever hip-hop was coming out at, at that time. So I was more interested in, like, seeing that core. Like, you know, I was a fan of rock music and punk rock. So I, I was looking for something that was a little bit more uh, not, not so polished. And I think for me, Big L uh, showed me at a young age uh, just how brilliant you can be as a rapper how brilliant you can be lyrically and how you can and how rap music really uh, at at its essence is storytelling now when you're coming from rock music in into hip hop and you listen to somebody like a big l oh but you were already kind of established your hip hop sound by the time you got to big l right like your your well, taste your flavor it's, it's, i mean established in terms of like shit man like Deltron 3030 was on my radar. Okay. If, if that's what you mean. Yeah. Well, because I'm, I'm, I'm wondering because just the amount of lyrics in one song in a hip-hop song versus a, a rock song, is it's so much more words. And I'm wondering if you even care about lyrics when you're coming into hip-hop from rock. Right. So Big L was the first time that I started to care about lyrics because right. he was so... You got it's to. impossible. <laughs> it's impossible not to listen to him and... and, and he forces you to make the lyrics the primary part of his music, like yeah, it, more than anything. Is is there anything that Big L can do storytelling wise that like a, uh, <clears throat> um, you know, uh, man, blanking out on his name, a uh, Rick Rick uh, Slick Rick, you know, uh, who who do you think is the is in the? They're both on. Are they on the top five of storytelling for you? Slick Rick and Big L, hmm. maybe with some would say Tupac, um. I think Tupac is incredible, man, in terms of a storyteller. Yeah, and and I mean, um, Kendrick, and, and Slick Rick is maybe one of the first to really make storytelling a big part of, um, yeah, a big part of the music. But there I mean, was, there wasn't anything dangerous, I guess you could say. He did talk about stuff that happens in the streets, but it, he did it set in a as a satire, I guess. No, but he—I mean, he has, he has, but it wasn't take. It was taken to the next level with a guy like Eminem, okay, right? With a guy like, um, in terms of the darkness of storytelling. But I mean, 
yeah, Slick Rick is maybe the the greatest storyteller of all time. Like I, I will agree on agree with you on that. And then and then after that, you got to give it to the East Coast Cats. You got to give it to Ry- Chef Raekwon, Ghostface Killer, Nas, Biggie, uh, Big L, and then after that, you know, we can agree that maybe someone like a Kendrick Lamar and a Lupe Fiasco are also tremendous storytellers as well. Um, but that's a lost art. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is that it's a very lost art because no one, no one really cares to continue doing that anymore. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm really wondering if it, if it really is a lost art, like, or if the or if those songs just aren't hitting for whatever reason. I mean, right now I think we're back to a. <laughs> I think right now we're kind of back to a Soldier Boy era lyrically in hip hop. We all need some yeah. sort of dances attached to w- the majority of of music that's ha- that's happening right now, thanks to social platforms, and that's fine. Um, but it, you know, telling a telling a whole story, <laughs> you know, I, that that's what I'm saying. It's like I think people are doing it, but they're not going beyond. You know, there's no reason for people to share the music. You know, if you've heard that track with Kendrick and Lil Wayne on, um, was that Lil Wayne's last album? That whole story they were talking about um, having a girl set, they have a they have a hoe that they're setting somebody else up, and they want to rob him and I maybe kill him. I don't remember, but you you remember that song? It was on Wayne's last album, and they went yeah, pretty no, in I, depth. And yeah, maybe. And that maybe. opened my ears to. I mean, Wayne is he's nice with sto- with some storytelling too. You know, um, but it's not going to consume the entire song, right? Right, and but those aren't his hits, and, and so I, I they're definitely still out there. I think the challenge for people who are making music that have that are telling stories in it, um, for for music to kind of to expand is for it to be shared. But it, it's it's <laughs> you know that that's hard. How do how do you make it share? How do you make a song that's shareable? Um, so I don't yeah. think it'll ever. No, no, I think I think that part of hip hop is uh is put to rest. Um Jay Z might have been the final one. I yeah. mean it's just it's just not valued anymore. Yeah. I mean they are telling but, uh, about their life. A lot of these rappers now have a much more luxurious life than rappers did back then. And so they got a lot right. more personal things to talk about now. Like yeah. there's no reason to talk about what's happening in the hood anymore for a lot of these more successful rappers. Right, because they're not in there anymore, and so I think we we won't find that. We'll only find that for the new and upcoming rappers. But even they are under the pressure of, oh, I got to make a hit, so none of that shit's gonna go. You know? Yeah, that that makes me feel like, uh, you know, thinking about that, like when did that transition happen where rappers stopped talking about the streets and they started talking about the bling? Like the first one that comes to mind is the song "My Adidas" by Run DMC was the first time I think anyone ever talked about clothes. And, uh, mm. and and how fly they were, right? But when but when did that happen? When did that transition happen from uh, I'm get I'm robbing and I'm killing and I'm selling selling drugs to I'm driving a Bugatti and I'm yeah well, rocking it, some chains. It was it was when um, recording music, you know, the access to recording music came to the suburbs, <laughs> and so the majority of people making rap music didn't live the lifestyle of their favorite rappers. And so I think that's that's that makes perfect sense, right? Like, cause back when Big L was rapping, it was still it wasn't 
looked um, highly upon being to be a rapper. You know what I mean? So so I think yeah, when when hip hop got su- suburban, people weren't talking about um, you know doing a heist or anything like that. So that that, that yeah. that's what I think it it changed up. Yeah, yeah, I would I would agree with you on that one. Um, but yeah, those are my thoughts on Big L's The Big Picture. And, you know, pretty much my stance on it is you don't have to listen to it um, as a hip-hop fan. I don't think it's essential listening. I think his first album, Lifestyles of the Poor and Dangerous, is top 10 essential listening for anyone interested in going back to, to that era of hip-hop, 90s hip-hop. And if you've never, even as a good introduction to that era of 90s hip-hop, or anyone that's interested in lyrical hip-hop, um, I think that's essential listening, but is the big picture essential listening? I'm not going to say it is, um, because, but, but with that being said, um, it's a nice, it's nice to have in your arsenal of music (laughs) to listen to. And, and so therefore, you know, can I recommend this? Does this have playback appeal? Uh, I'm going to give that one uh, a yes and a no. And, and that's very dependent on, well, how how deep do you want to go in the crates? If you're real, if you're real deep on the crates and you want to hear what Big L had to offer, maybe you know some of the tracks that were left over, and you just want that nostalgia of hearing a Big L album, by all means, go listen to it. But but there's better stuff out there. Um, there maybe isn't a better rapper than Big L, but there's better stuff out there to listen to in general if that's what you're really craving for. So, what is your take? Um, yeah, I wouldn't recommend going to Big Picture if this is your first time hopping to Big L. I say do it the right way, listen to the first one, and then expand from there. Go to the Big Picture if you need a little bit more context of his life and his legacy. I think this album, wanted they wanted to highlight um, his legacy and put some OG rap cats in there as well. I think that was another reason why they had to do that. The the album might have been a little, focused a little bit more of, of uh, where... Yeah, of his legacy in, in hip hop at, you know, up until that point. Um, but yeah, check it out after you hear the first album for sure. I'm with you on that. Right. So that's pretty much it, man. Um, once again, we thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, if you like our content, you can hit subscribe in YouTube and you can hit subscribe and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Click that. And so please give us a like. If uh, if you if you dig this and if you want to hear any more album retrospectives or you have any thoughts about our content and you want us to review or do a retrospective on anything else, drop us a comment. So uh, once again, thank you very much. You know what it is, Rap Geeks and his bitch. Once again, it is Aaron. It's Sean. Thank you for listening. Playback, playback, playback.